Hello and welcome to the Wingnet Travel Podcast with me, James Hammond. Personally, I have been to 50 countries. I've met so many people in my travels that I want to bring them on this podcast and get their story on record. I have plenty of tips and stories to share with you as well. Are you a backpacker or a traveller or gap year student or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you. Throughout the weeks and months, you'll get many guests and solo episodes where I try to cover all range of subjects within travel. This is a casual and informative travel podcast to inspire you to travel in the future. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening and supporting this. And I'll see you soon. Cheers, James. Hello and welcome to the Winging It Travel Podcast episode 52, Travelling with Sophia Sell. And we're going to talk about Sophia's road trip in Europe in 2021 in a camper van for six months with her dog Knox. We also cover her interrailing trip from Greece to Spain, travelling the Azores by car and also Ireland by coach. Thank you for the reaction to Matty Dice's episode 51. Everyone was loving the stories, the tips, and some funny chat from Matty, so that's great to hear. And thanks for sharing your feedback. This week we have released a merchandise store with tpublic.com, and you can access this via the show notes, but also on any of my social media channels on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Please go there to find the affiliation link and you'll be able to access the store. Men's, women's, children's clothing and also lots of um, mugs, pins, stickers, wall art, etc. and stuff as well. So exciting to release that. Don't forget, please review my podcast on Podchaser or Good Pods or Apple or Spotify. It really helps the podcast go forward. And it's great to see that on Good Pods, quite a few people are listening to my podcast. And I was rated number one this week for Places and Travels. That's great as well. Thank you to everyone who's done that. Right, catch you soon. Hope you enjoy the episode. Be safe, be inspired, safe travels. Ciao. Let's get into the episode. Hello and welcome to the Winging It Travel podcast, where I'm joined by Sophia Sell today, who is a co-host of Away She Goes podcast. I'm really excited about this episode today as Sophia has just travelled in Europe for six months in her van with her dog. She has also travelled to the Mediterranean by train, in Ireland by coach and the Azores by car. Sophia has also lived in Norway, Germany, England and Greece and we're going to talk about some of those experiences today. Sophia, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Please (laughs) tell us a bit about yourself and where are you currently? I'm currently in Hamburg in Germany. I studied here and now this is my home base after my six months of traveling while I'm hunkering down to wait out the next wave of COVID. Yay! What are you studying? Um, I studied computer science and artificial intelligence. Um, uh, it's a it, it was a pretty tough course, but yeah. Hamburg has a really nice scene, so to say. There's a lot of things you can do. There's like many concerts going on, like even uh, international comedians traveling here and having shows. There's a lot to do. It's a really good city to study in, I think. I think your course is a, excuse the phrase, intelligent course, because, yeah, a bit of a pun there, <laughs> because it's, it's all going to AI, isn't it? Like computers yeah. and the way apps work and the way social media works is kind of dominated by AI. So, yeah, fair play for you to do that course. I think that's a good move. Is it quite tough, though, with like trying to learn all the um, guessing here? But the, the way you learn about this stuff, it, it seems quite a very intense subject and quite a lot to learn. 
It really is. And the problem is, you know, a lot of things, but only on the surface. So then when it comes to applying the things you're like, well, I, I thought I knew this, but I have no idea like how to do it myself. Like, you know, roughly how a car works, but could you build a car? No. So yeah, it, it's a problem. It's, it's really hard. Yeah. I do listen to a few podcasts about AI and artificial intelligence in terms of social media and algorithms. And yeah, you, you can kind of understand what they're saying. Like, Oh, so the algorithm works like this because you click on this, you like this, you watch this. And that's what you said, the surface, but I don't really know yeah. how, or they probably don't know too much of how it really works like deep down into the science. So it's definitely a science in itself, isn't it? It, it really is. And how, how's the course going? Do you think you're going to, how long is the course for as well? Oh, it's it's uh, two years and I finished it and then went uh, off for my six months van trip. Mm -hmm. And uh, now I'm just back here in Hamburg trying to find a job afterwards yeah and i guess like you said with covid you might as well just stay in hamburg and bunker exactly. down as you said <laughs> yes <laughs> how yeah. is oh that's one question at covid that's going to be it how is covid in hamburg is it okay like is it what's the cases uh, like uh we just cracked 600 cases per 100,000 oh, this week okay. so yeah it's it's not good right okay and must be a bit of a culture shock coming from traveling in your van i guess quite freely and then i'll come back to hamburg and you've got to like hunker down and it really is and it's the weirdest thing ever since i'm back in like four walls i sleep so badly oh, really? i don't know what it is oh, wow. but like in my van i slept like a baby yeah and now i'm back and i just wake up at random noises and i'm like well now i'm awake wow that's interesting because we I've done some van trips this summer in, in BC and Vancouver around the area. And at the time we were living in an apartment, which had, I'd say quite bad, had a bad neighbor in terms of noise. And it was on a main street. So there's always like buses going past, or you could hear people speaking outside at the next building or next door was having a party at late at night. And there's a bar next door on the road and, you know, drunk people about all this stuff accumulates noise. And I could not wait. To go in my van because I was like I'm gonna go to my van when we're gonna go away and sleep and you just proved that I'm not going crazy that that is true that you can sleep really yeah. well in the van <laughs> yeah yeah for most days that's true and it's just some nights you get woken up because your van's moving because some sheep are rubbing their butts on the van that, that <laughs> happened to me once in Norway <laughs> <laughs> we'll come to that story then <laughs> yeah. um yeah that's great that's that's awesome because I I think it's some sort of freedom and some sort of um, you're, you're one with the nature when you're in a van. I know you're in something that's made by a human, but your natural clock for me, it seems to wake up a bit earlier, maybe more of a sunrise, you probably go to bed a bit earlier as well. And you kind of make the full use of the day. Exactly. And it's, it's been so weird because I've been traveling in the, the polar regions around summer solstice. So the sun didn't go down. Yes. And then coming back to winter in France, where it gets dark at like 6 p.m., mm. it was a, it was a really weird transition. And I really had to adapt and go to bed early because I was tired all the time because I don't have the best lighting in the van. So okay. I just, yeah. it gets dark, I get sleepy, I, I go to bed at nine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Also, the summer solstice areas is interesting because you're going to have to create an area where it is dark, right? Because natural yes. light is going to be light. So even when it's 2 a.m., it could still be light. So that's quite an interesting dynamic of what you need to think about if you're in those yeah. countries. 
yeah, you definitely need a watch to just keep track of time because there's no other way to tell time, obviously with the lights not changing yeah. at all. And it really just messes with your head. You're like, huh, it feels <laughs> like 6 a.m. Like, oh, oh, it's um, it's, it's interesting. It's midnight. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. The circadian rhythm in your body will, when it sees dark, it, it kicks off the process really, you start to tire because it, it marries darkness with, with sleep, right? And you're gonna go sleep. Yeah. But in those countries where it doesn't really get dark that much, they will still get tired, but they're going to have to make some sort of effort to get into darkness because they're not going to sleep that well. I guess it's the same for like people who work day shifts, right? Uh, night shifts, sorry, who Ooh, yeah. do that shift work. That must be a problem for them as well, I think. Um, I've only done it once in a job and I, I struggled to sleep during the day. It just didn't seem that natural, I think. Mm. Probably the way yeah, I, I can imagine. It. We're going to come to your six-month trip in a minute, <laughs> but I've got a few more questions before. You are a dog lover and you traveled with your dog. So what type of dog do you have? Yes. Um, I have a Croatian Shepherd. It's uh, not many know this breed, and no. I, I didn't know it before I had him either. Uh, he's just a rescue dog from Croatia, and then we did a DNA test because we were so curious about him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's mostly Croatian Shepherd with some other muds in between. Uh, okay. They're about knee height, black. They they have the typical shepherd ears, um, but. They're often confused with poodle mixes because they have curly hair everywhere. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was expecting like long hair, not really curly hair. We've just been to the Yukon in Canada, which is like further, way further north. So like you say, there's northern parts where there's like five hours of daylight. Oof. And the guy who owns the, the cabin, he had two dogs. They're two. And one of those was a shepherd. And she's quite cute because the standard shepherd, like Australian shepherd, where it's just long haired and stuff. But she wouldn't leave Adam's wife alone. So she, um, she was explaining to us that even when, let's say, we're going to go to the lake, the frozen lake and walk, and they would come with us. But let's say she wanted to stay behind, that the Wi-Fi into the, in, the, in the cabin, if Brandy, her name is. If, so if Brandy wanted to stay behind, dog would stay behind with her, like, just wouldn't leave her side. Very loyal and very protective. Yeah, that, my, my dog is the same way. He's oh, currently awesome. lying on, uh, on my feet. <laughs> <laughs> Before we crack on with your six months traveling in Europe on your van, I just want to ask what what first got you interested in travel? Um, was there a memory? Was there a trip when you're younger? What sort of got the uh, travel bug going for you? Um, we did a lot of like basic family holidays when I was younger, but they were always to cool places. It was mostly Spain, and I liked Spain, but it didn't really trigger anything but then we went to portugal to the southern coast the algarve and that was just beautiful and ever since then like i went back there a few times but then i realized well i should maybe see different places because if this is this cool then there has to be other places that are this cool and then i then i was hooked and was like okay <laughs> um when i lived in london um, a friend visited me and i was like well we don't want to stay in london for that long because i mean there's a lot to do but you just get out there's also <laughs> other things <laughs> exactly there's also other things to see so then we went uh on a trip with only like super cheap trains sometimes we had to go take the train at five in the morning because it was the cheapest one because mm -hmm. we were students and yeah so then that was super fun and then i was really hooked on travel like okay so no more of this uh 
typical family holiday that is you go someplace stay there for two weeks beach vacation and then you go back mm. but then i was really hooked on this idea of going to different places and then changing place again after a day or a week and doing a bunch of round trips you're totally right with the holiday thing my, my, you know my family weren't particularly didn't have a lot of money so we didn't do a lot of trips abroad when i was younger so there'd be like local trips in the uk where i'm from like in norwich so the Norfolk coast, but also a bit further up and also a bit of Cornwall. That's as far as we went. So my first uh, trip abroad was in Berlin, actually, right, in Germany. Um, oh, nice. Obviously, Germany is where you're from. That was a bit of an eye-opener in terms of like, oh, wow, the, these people speak different languages. Like, it's a bit, a bit strange when you're younger because you don't appreciate all the different cultures. But I started to realise that, oh, yeah, you can go to one city or, or one beach for two weeks, but I would see it as a bit of a waste. You want to go and explore more, right? Exactly, and it kind of gets you a little bit because there's there's forever going to be somewhere to go. Like you're never going to yeah. be going to all the places before you die, unfortunately. So that's why exactly people get kind of a bit emotional about it because they want to go as much as possible, right? Exactly. But then again, I also try to change that around and use that as a, not a bad thing, but as a mantra, so to say. When I miss out on an experience, I'm like, okay, well, I can't see everything. Yeah. So I, I have to make my peace with it anyway. So, Yeah, you'll never be able to travel everywhere. Um, you, you see these exactly. things where people are ticking things off, right? Like the people who have been yeah. to every, every country in the world. It, you have, oh, yeah. but have you actually seen much <laughs> in that country, right? It's just that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We actually, our next podcast episode that is airing is with the woman who set four world records visiting every country <laughs> in the shortest time what's the value in that i guess you get a record under your, under your name maybe that's it <laughs> yeah pretty much and it's, it's slightly impressive but the more i think when you get older you, you start to realize ah oh, it doesn't really matter that much like you'd rather go and spend a year in one country and really know it right exactly and i listened to um an audiobook recently by anna mcnuff who cycled the 50 states of the usa and i find that way more impressive because that would be she awesome. cycled yeah yeah <laughs> and cycling is going to take a time it's going to take a while it's going to take yes a long time so you're going to meet loads of people see lots of stuff right um, exactly because you wouldn't be cycling every day i'd imagine you might have taken some days off to some go and see days, something yeah 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 so that'd be you know a biking i am i'm not brilliant at biking i don't particularly love it but something appeals something like that of biking somewhere in the world whether that's across a country or multiple countries or states something like that does appeal in the future but Same. off that beating track type of travel really but i need to get better at biking because i don't do it <laughs> so <laughs> there you go so let's go into your trip your six-month trip this this really excited me when i heard this because it kind of resonates with me and my girlfriend's plans for the future in terms of traveling in the van so you decided to travel europe with your dog in the van Please yes. tell us um, and the listeners also, first, I want to know what type of van did you have or have you still got? Um, I have a VW T5, so kind yeah. of smallish. But VW, it's like old already dream. <laughs> <laughs> you see the classic photos of people traveling camper vans, it's VW, isn't it? It's yeah. VW vans. I don't know if you can answer this, really. how big is it? Like, can you stand up in a van or? No. No, I okay, the same as ours. Yeah. We can only sit down. We can sit down in our van yep. with a cup of tea. The roof is kind of just above us. It's fine. It's not going to hit our heads, but we can't stand in it. 
And yeah, was for me, it's uh, if I if I sit slightly too straight, then I might bump my head a little. Okay. <laughs> and was that challenging for your trip? Would you say, or did you get did you adapt quite well? Uh, it was quite challenging when it was bad weather, and I spent a lot of time in the van. Then it got a little bit boring because like you can't really stand up like of course i would walk the dog and that would at least get me outside yeah but yeah it would be nicer like if i were to live in the van for longer than six months i definitely recommend getting something you can stand in okay that's quite a good tip we we kind of like chat about do we modernize or upgrade the van because it's quite old it's like 20 years old um Ooh. so it's kind of been converted from being a car to it's a biggish car it's a toyota sienna so it's not a small car it's a big car but it's like oh do we just upgrade to like a a, a bigger one and a newer one we kind of keep debating this but do you think would you mod, would you have upgraded in hindsight or would you were you perfectly happy with your van um i'm quite happy with uh, the size of it because yeah. i i'm not particularly fond of parking the car yeah and especially in in france it was worse and no it was okay um there's quite some parking lots for shopping centers or something that have height restrictions over here. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, in Norway, oh. it's fine. They're usually like two meters 50. Um, so yeah, you can go under it with most cars, yeah. but then in France, it's sometimes one meter 90, mm. which is, yeah. Yeah. So that's problematic. So the smaller, the better in that regard. Okay, so then it kind of converts into like a car, more flexible. Um, so our, yeah, ours would be kind of the same. You, you could class it as a car or a really small camper van. So a bit more flexibility. I get that. Yeah, I understand that when we try to park in even Vancouver, you can't go under underground parking. This is too, yeah. just a bit too tall. That's unfortunate. So for your trip, can you tell us what the rough plan was? Like, where were you, where were you going to start? And like the length of time and countries that you want to go to? Uh, my original plan was to start in Portugal, but then my plans got changed because my thesis um, got a bit longer. So I had to delay the start and I didn't want to be in Portugal in summer because it's just a bit too warm too for me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also that would have meant that I would have been in the north in winter, which then would have sucked even more because oh, my wow. band doesn't really have heating. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah uh, so i decided to turn it around and i started my way to cape north and essentially started from there uh down the atlantic coast through norway then denmark um germany the netherlands belgium france and that's as far as i got before uh the more or less involuntary break that I'm currently taking. <laughs> <laughs> so does that mean that you would have carried on for longer if you could? Yes, I, I wanted to. I wanted to make it all the way to Portugal, to the very south. Wow. And how long do you think that would have taken? If you let, Let's say you can carry on. It's okay. Do you think that would have been another, what, three months or, or a bit longer? Exactly. That, yeah. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> so nine months would have been the original plan, roughly. Yeah. Wow. That's an awesome trip. And... So six months on the road, pretty decent. Did you have any real specific parts of these countries that you want to see? Or was it just trying to maybe find out on the road what you what you want to see? I did a lot of finding out on the road 
Yeah. But there were some things that I really wanted to see and do. So, for example, in Norway, there's this chain of islands, the Lofoten. And uh, I, I've seen a surfer talk about them like a couple of years ago here in Hamburg in a surf shop. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, I was like, oh, yes, that's pretty. I want to go there. Um, other than that, there were some friends along the way. Yeah that I wanted to visit that I haven't seen in a while. So uh, I lived in Oslo before, so I wanted to go back to Oslo. I wanted to visit my old flatmate. Then I met some people along the way and then had to visit them <laughs> when I, because like I met some Dutch people and someone from Germany. So yeah. I had to visit them all. That kind of does happen a lot traveling, isn't it? Whether you're <laughs> yes. in a car or just, um, I don't know, Southeast Asia, for example, you would meet people on the way on the route and even travel together. That's, that's the cool thing about traveling i think you kind of you can meet people on the way and connect and then maybe even drive for two days i don't know like it could be pretty cool yeah question about those islands is that again i don't know much about it is that the group of islands where you have the road that goes through the islands yes and it's kind of like on if you search norway road or something on google you'll see like these islands with the road going through them is it that that chain yes yes it is there's also another famous picture which is of a bridge and that's slightly more south that's the atlantic coastway or something like that okay yeah norway looks incredible though um it's oh, it really routinely is. rated in the top 10 places to visit in the world every year i guess that must be because of the scenery right yeah it, it's really beautiful but the fjords and the i guess the the grand scale of mountains and valleys yeah, and mountains stuff like that. and glaciers and yes. waterfalls so many waterfalls we don't get that many waterfalls i don't think we have any waterfalls in northern germany so okay. I, I love them and for for the first part of the trip i made it my mission to find every single one of them along the way <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting you say that because we we read a book or got given a book i can't remember what it's called it's just the waterfalls around vancouver or around the bc province and there's so many, like you, you can never really um, see them all. But it's just in one yeah. particular place. I'm like, wow, that's that's insane amount of waterfalls. I, I love waterfalls, don't we all? But yeah, you can. I guess you can do a waterfall traveling trip. That'd be quite a cool trip. Oh yeah. Budget. I've got uh, notes here. So in a van, I'd assume it'd be quite cheap, apart from petrol maybe or gas, because you guys need gas to drive the drive the van, but Campsites? Did you free camp? Did you pay for camping? Um, in the first uh, part through Sweden and Finland while I was driving up north. And then also in the first part in Norway, I was, because I was still getting used to everything, I went to quite a lot of campsites, but then I realized how much money I was wasting on that, so to say. Mm. And then at some point I made a decision, okay, from here on out, only campsites, maybe once a week, if there's no other way to find a shower or like washing machines and stuff yeah and then did a lot of uh, free camping because in norway it's uh, legal most places so yeah that's you good. Could just park anywhere yeah some countries have certain rules don't they with um yes. free camping yeah when i was in new zealand when i was living there it, it was a big topic actually because i worked for the ministry and um it was the ministry that controlled tourism and so many people are writing in saying, we don't want free camping available anymore. People leave it in like a bad condition. They leave rubbish on the side of the road. So 
it's causing a bit of a contentious issue. Yeah, sadly, that's that's very true. But I've experienced that more in Portugal. In uh, Norway, it was uh, quite good most places. Okay, right. And what was the highlight of that northern corner of like Sweden, Norway, and Finland? Any particular highlights that you have fond memories of? There's uh, an island off of Tromsø that's called the Summer Area, which means summer island. And I was there in the summer. The weather was not nice, but I I get why they call it Summer Island, because if you look at the beaches, it looks like you're in the Caribbean. Oh, right. Like the beaches are so white. The water is so turquoise blue. It's beautiful. It's a bit sad that you can't really swim there. most times of the year, maybe in a wetsuit, um, but absolutely lovely. And then also, of course, the Lofoten. They're very touristy overrun, especially on the weekends. So if okay. you're there with with a van and have the flexibility, definitely go during the week because on the weekends, you also get the Norwegians that live close by and it gets even busier. Yeah, I can imagine if they're that, that, that nice. It's, it's the same I think same for most countries they've got that sort of like idyllic islands or even uk like some places get really really booked up or busy just because it's nice and this is what people do i guess uh, same yeah. calendar so it's an unfortunate but if you've got um flexibility like you say with your van then yeah you got you got to make use of the week absolutely and then you travel down through denmark yes um i've only been to denmark once of course copenhagen Everyone's done that. But is there any other parts of Denmark that you particularly liked or saw that you recommend? Um, I really quite like Klitmüller. It's uh, quite far up north and it's very famous for its surfing. Oh, okay. And I, I didn't get to surf when I was there, but I watched quite a few surfers and it looked like some fun waves and there's just all kinds of water sports going on there. <laughs> and uh, also the beach is really pretty. Yeah. Okay. The beaches, like uh, just to go back on what you said, there's there's so many great beaches up north. Like, yeah, yes. it, they're cold. I get it. It's not going to be warm water, but the way they look, like Scotland, they've got some amazing beaches, and even Wales. But yeah, like these places up north, like Norway and stuff. So many, I guess, unknown beaches. Before we move on to the lower parts of it in Europe, a random question: Did, Can you speak any of these languages that you're going to in these countries? I guess Norwegian, maybe. Yes, yes, I do yeah. speak some Norwegian. So if you speak Norwegian, you could probably get away with that in Sweden. Is that right? Yeah, sort most of. of it, except for I'd, I made a huge mistake because like most words are very similar, except yeah. for the word talk. And I used to say a lot, oh, I don't I don't talk Swedish or do you talk English? But yeah. I didn't realize I wasn't really saying anything to them because uh, in Norwegian it's snakkar and in Swedish it's pratar or something like that. So, okay. Yeah, very different. <laughs> yes. Not 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 the worst words you can get away with, but um Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can see. At why least I didn't insult anyone on accident. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and Denmark is quite a notoriously difficult language, right? But they yes. do predominantly speak English there, so you're probably fine. But they they really do. And actually in writing it's also quite easy to understand when you have a little bit of Norwegian understanding. Oh, okay. That's good to know. In, in listening, not so much because it's like you would speak to someone from uh, Birmingham and your English isn't very well, then you have a hard time understanding them. Yes. Yeah, I get it. I remember meeting some Danish people on our travels back in the day and they'd teach us some words because we just couldn't, we couldn't understand how they even pronounce. And they'd, they'd teach us for like 
10 minutes and like we still don't because we can't understand or even say this word so when he went through Denmark I guess he went back to Germany through Denmark yeah and I guess that's kind of like North Germany where you are now exactly and you're going down sort of the west side or did you go straight down the middle or what was your plan in uh, no I went uh along the coast because I haven't seen too much of there which is a shame because I lived in Bremen and I lived in Hamburg so pretty like much of the northwest mm. so I visited some friends and then explored the area there a little bit and then crossed over to the Netherlands uh, quite far up north okay one random question about Germany is there like a beach culture because uh, for UK for example we're, we're surrounded by beach because we're in Ireland it's easy go anywhere there's gonna be a beach in Germany it's only the north so do do Germans in the south do they make their trip up north to go to a beach or do they just kind of go somewhere else in Europe um it depends like I'm originally from somewhere in the middle and we would still often make the trip up north even it's like a five six hour drive yeah but knowing some people from the south I don't really know them to be beach people that much because okay. they're always so happy that they have the mountains mountains <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah get it <laughs> absolutely and when you travel through Netherlands where did you go in, in Netherlands uh, I went to stay with a friend in Alkmaar uh, oh yeah I went uh, to Leiden okay to visit another friend and then from there I was so fed up with uh, the Netherlands I almost went straight to Belgium oh really <laughs> yeah because in the Netherlands uh, free camping is illegal oh, so okay. I mostly stayed with friends in their driveways but Got at it. some point in the south I ran out of friends and also I wasn't too fond of their highways the streets were just too big I was missing the idyllic little streets <laughs> that I was used to from Norway so I was like ah let me just go to Belgium and things actually did get better in Belgium. Oh, did it? I was going to say, was in it France better? too? Yeah. Yeah. I guess Belgium, a lot of people see Belgium, Netherlands quite the same, right? But was it actually quite different? Yeah. Streetwise it was Yeah, a and lot much, nicer. Did you travel through, I guess, Antwerp and then down through Ghent or did you go th straight through Brussels? Uh, I actually went that route that you just described uh, by Antwerpen and Ghent. Yeah. But I didn't stop in Antwerpen. I stopped just outside of it because yeah. I, I was just so fed up with driving at that point that I was like, I'm not going to drive into a city. It really stresses me out. But then a friend of mine caught up with me because I, I met her in Norway. Oh, yeah. And she, yeah. she left like a week before we met. So she's traveled really fast. Mm -hmm. And we met up and she was like, oh, but you have to see Ghent. I have to show you Ghent. I love this city. And so I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> but you tell me where I'm going to park. Yeah. And that all worked out perfectly. And uh, it, it's a really pretty city. But you make a great point about cities, though. They can be quite stressful, right? Especially if you're, yes. going, if you're driving country roads or let's learn roads, sorry, through these countries, because that's kind of a bit quieter, I imagine. The sort of coastal areas of France. Exactly. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? And you guess you have like, well, what we call it, the, the English Channel. But did you go around that, that sort of area there? Yes, I also went to this one place, uh, exactly the Cap Grisness, okay. from which is the shortest distance to England. And you can, on a clear day, which I was so lucky we had, um, you can see England. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. People don't realize how close that is. It's, it's yes. the close. It's insane. <laughs> 
that's why people just uh got on the train to paris because it's two hours from london not even that not even the the coast the coast areas which is going to be even shorter to get a train but yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty close and france as a whole very a very well-traveled country as a whole from a lot of um tourists did you find it quite busy in france or was it actually quite the idyllic french villages that you go through is it like that it was exactly that it was so idyllic and probably because it was so late in the year i was there in november okay. and it was the north and the north isn't really that popular outside of beach season so to say yeah so it was really quiet it was amazing yeah i think you're right a lot of people go south of france especially from uk yes. oh yeah we're going south of france classic and i've been south of france and i love it but i can see why but the north has got its, its, its gems right did you go to that the saint michel yes le mont saint michel yes i've been yes. there uh was that on your trip or was it on a different trip no that wasn't this trip and is it as good as the photos look because it looks incredible it looks like it's kind of broken away and it's got this little enclave of houses and a church it is it is so cool it really reminded me of venice by the oh, way wow. how it's so narrow and like like small tiny angle streets and then there's a st random staircase up somewhere and <laughs> then it loops back around I absolutely loved it. But the only annoying thing is that it's a really long walk from the van car park. Yes. And all other car parks, to be honest. <laughs> but you can't take a shuttle with a dog. So I had to walk. And the anticipation just kills you at some point <laughs> because you can look at it from like two kilometers away. And you're like, when am I finally there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I didn't think about the, the dog situation. So I knew, I knew there's a shuttle because my friend came on the podcast and he lives in S Spain just on the border of Portugal but he routinely drives across the northern Spain into France and he was saying yeah you have to park further out and then walk in and but I didn't realize that obviously you can get a shuttle he said but if you've got a dog it's not allowed it's a bit annoying how yeah. far is that distance and do you think how how long is that walk um I think it was four kilometers okay. from the van car park from the other car park I think it might have only been three okay but I decided to spend the night there, get some electricity and then hike that way in the morning. Yeah, yeah, fair play. And at this point, would you say van life is, is it getting better or are you starting to get a little bit over it? Like what's your thinking at this point, you think? Like, I guess it's quite far into a trip at this point, but what, what are your feelings with the van and van life? Well, I was really getting over being there in off season because okay. it was in getting increasingly hard to find a camping place or anywhere to shower. Right, got it. Yeah, so that was really annoying. But other than that, um, there are some natural high points and some low points where you're like, ah, oh, I just want to be someplace and not like every day the same struggles, finding showers, toilets, places to charge your van empty, different tanks. Like, mm fill up the water but then you stay somewhere for a week and your own internal batteries so to say are recharged too and then you're happy again that you're living in a van you're like yay this is cool where am i going next and with planning we're going next i guess like you said you would just maybe plan day by day at this point yeah exactly would you plan based on just a map would you look at a map or would you 
look at any recommendations or speak to friends who are doing the same trip? How would you decide where to go next? I looked at a map a lot, but I also posted a map and sometimes asked my friends on Instagram, like, yeah. hey, anyone been here? Anyone got any advice? Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I also did some searches, like most beautiful hikes here and there, like best natural phenomenons or scenery or sites in this area. Um, I found that quite helpful. Mm. And did you find that um, some places that you didn't like, you would move on quite quickly? I guess that's the advantage of having a van, right? You can just drive on. Yes. And did yeah. that happen a lot or not, not, not that much, do you think? I mean, yeah, yeah, the Netherlands. No, yeah, yeah, I guess. Because there I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not happy here anymore. Let yeah. me move on. Yeah, okay. That's, that's the kind of the reason why it appeals because you can just make that decision, that flexible, yeah. you're not rushed, like that sort of travel where you can just decide on, on a day or even on the morning of it, you come to a place like, oh, nah, not for me. Let's go. Exactly. Because so, otherwise, if you, get, if you get a two-week trip holiday to a beach and a place you don't like, what are you going to do? <laughs> go home early or stay? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and France, so you, did you travel all the way down France to south, southern France or did you keep along the north coast into Spain? Uh, I kept along the north coast but and I didn't make it to the south. I, I only made it to Nantes which okay. isn't all that southern it's like halfway it's not even halfway yeah um to the south before i had to go home for uh christmas and all those holidays got it so you didn't even make it to spain nowhere near really nope That's not a, yet so no. it's for the next part i'll tell you what a road trip in spain is also on my list because there's so many different cultures and different places that you can see and different types of people i'd imagine it's one of those like hot spots where you can get north, south, east, west, they're all different in their own way. It's quite a... Oh, yeah, I love that. And they also have like still a lot of languages. Yes. Like a different yeah. ones. Yeah, absolutely. And could you, do you think you could see yourself maybe doing that three months extra on your next trip? Like, would that just be France and, and southern France and then Spain and Portugal? Would that just be one trip, do you think? Yes, that's what I was hoping. Okay. That I can finish those three months, maybe in summer. Okay. I will see. Yeah. yeah. As I can say, when would you do it? But maybe summer might be good because hopefully COVID will calm down. Um, and then you can just get off in your van and go in summer. That'd be pretty decent. Yeah. Be hot, be hot though, wouldn't it, in Spain and southern yeah. France? Yeah, I've, I've already considered that either I will go towards the end of the summer. So I'll be in France when it's yeah. the hottest. And then like an early fall in Portugal or the other way around that I start in June and travel to Portugal first and go up north. Got it. Yeah. I guess these are all different type of factors you've got way up, way up yes. like the weather and it's not just as easy as getting in your van and hopping across, right? Another question, the visa process. So back in the day when UK was part of Europe, <laughs> um, yeah. pre-Brexit, uh, <laughs> that wouldn't even be a thing really to to consider but now um for us as uk residents would you would need to consider the visa process but for um someone like you would it be was it was it quite easy for i guess you're german national right so yes. to get visas or was it actually a bit of a bit of a trouble to get them uh, i didn't even have to get visas that's yeah. the cool thing because norway is part of the eea the yeah um almost eu basically <laughs> so that Pretty was much, no yeah. problem 
Um, I just needed the EU vaccination passport. That was the most important thing at that point. Okay. And then some warm treatments for the dog for Finland and Norway. Okay, got it. So that's the, if you're listening, that is the one name I've been in Europe, <laughs> is to have free travel, which we don't have, unfortunately, more. So if you're UK-based, or even I've got quite a few listeners in Canada and US, you're going to have to consider for this type of trip the visa requirements. Uh, I'm not too clued up on that because I've always been used to traveling Europe visa-free, so it's something I need to yeah. learn, unfortunately. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, online um, communities for van lifers, and I'm hearing a lot of stuff uh, about you get a 90-day visa, essentially. Okay, yeah. And then you have to be out again for 90 days so that you can get another 90-day visa. Yeah. So you have to leave the EU Schengen area. So a lot of uh, a lot of UK van lifers then, instead of going back to the UK, go to places like Croatia or Turkey. Oh, got it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because you couldn't just go from France to Germany, right? Because that wouldn't count. No. Right. That's quite annoying though, isn't it? Yeah. Because that's quite far away. Exactly. Bloody hell. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. So not only would you have to consider when your three months is kind of coming to an end and you're going to have to go out and in, you got to really weigh up where that out is, whether that's going to be like Croatia yep. or Eastern Europe. Because Western Europe, okay. I, I don't think you can go anywhere to do that, right? I don't think. Nope. Bloody hell. Nightmare. Yes. <sighs> so annoyed. <laughs> Me too. I was so sad. I was looking over the channel at England like, I want to go. <laughs> I can't. No, absolutely not. Oh, so annoying. Okay, let's move on from visas. Let's go to, uh, we'll finish on the few, few questions about the van. Did you convert the van yourself or did you buy it already converted? Uh, I bought it entirely blank. I converted it myself with the help of my dad and my boyfriend. Wow. And did you do you have like a, a blog or, a, I don't know, a YouTube series of how you've done that? Or did you know how you converted it? I wanted to do that, but in the end, I didn't have enough time. Okay. So I have some pictures. I even have a 3D uh, because I had to redo the bed. So I have a 3D sketch um, of the bed because it's uh, like a lengthwise yeah. uh, pull out. So. Oh, same as ours. Yeah. Yeah, just pull it out lengthwise. Yeah, exactly. And what was the most challenging part of the conversion, do you think? What what really took a bit of time to get right in the van? The side cupboard. Um, the, the biggest problem with vans is that they're just not boxy enough. There's always those round corners. And when you're not a trades person, then it's really hard to know like how you could work those corners like a friend of mine taught me afterwards i'm like well now i know but <laughs> it's too late now it's already crooked yeah. yeah yeah you're totally right about that we're lucky that someone done this before we bought the van uh australian no sorry new zealand couple who plan to drive to alaska so they obviously mm. this guy and unless, unless they knew someone who done it for him otherwise if this couple done this van they they know what they're doing because all the cabinets, like you say, that the van's not boxed. It's got the, the round edges and stuff. These cabinets fit perfectly. And it's all measured to the right length. And the bed is all pulled out the right length as well. And there's not just enough space to sit. So, like, these guys must just either be either a carpenter or 
something along yeah. those lines amazing um, amazing yeah what what job and did you when you finished the van and you set off was there any modifications that you had to the van like on the travels did you maybe throw something away or did you add something to the van that that was needed or did you think you had the perfect van from the start no it's always changing <laughs> it's uh, one of the lessons you learn in building your van it's never finished so after the first trip i realized that the bed because i i measured wrong um <laughs> it wasn't the most stable when it was together yeah and uh, so i ripped that thing out completely made a new one it's stable now it's perfect and then i also added a um a little pull out toilet um after the first trip and i just threw out my refrigerator because it's just using up too much energy and it's sure. not like i'm taking anything that's very sensitive anyway so yeah that's the refrigerator is, is one of the things that you always consider i think owning a van is it worth it exactly um, it's a tough decision we we have so far have gone with the cool box with ice that can last a day right yeah, yeah, that's what I'm planning to do in the future if I need right. it. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good way to go because you can just buy day to day. Exactly. And also, if you do go two or three days where there's no real place to go, which I think would be quite hard in Europe, but maybe there is, then you would obviously pack two or three days worth of food. This might be another question actually as well. I was thinking when we look at our trip in Canada, Canada's huge, right? There are going to be eight hour drives where you see no one potentially, it depends how far north you go. But in Europe, did you have that problem or was it? Because Europe is more condensed, did you just seem to have options available all the time in terms of like uh, two hours that way is a, is a town? Like, was it quite easy to adapt that way? It was quite easy because even though northern Norway, northern Finland, it, there weren't many towns, but it was always one close enough. Okay. And you never had a problem with running out of food or... Or petrol? Did you ever run out? Did you come close to running out of petrol? <laughs> you must have done, surely, once. Uh, luckily not, no. Oh, wow. Okay. I always I always give myself the rule that I try not to obsess so much over the price of petrol. Yeah. So that then I will, once I only have a quarter tank left, I just go to the nearest gas station or then maybe look up what the cheapest is and then refill completely and then I'm good to go again. Yeah, that's a good point because I think fuel is going to, you're going to have to get it. You've got no choice. Exactly. <laughs> so you might as well just not even worry about the price of that. You just accept it, I guess. Yeah. There's other things you can save on much easier. So yes, absolutely. 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 I've got some uh, final questions. Um, lessons learned, really. What if you had to give a few things that you'd learned from the your trip in, in the van, what things would you say you would do differently or change if you had to do it again? I definitely changed staying in so many campsites at the beginning. Yeah because it just eats up money and especially in Norway you can even uh pay at gas stations to take showers mm -hmm. so there's really not a need for campsites that much well one lesson that I learned was yeah. it's okay to just chill ah uh, so, yeah good point because you're you're always on the move and at some point you have to say okay I'll just chill sit in my van look out the window enjoy the view instead of running around trying to explore everything um it gets a bit stressful because you have all these options to you and like where am i going next should i visit here should i visit there that's a great point actually and i'm glad you said that because i think there's a, a 
an idea or a conception here that you would have to do and see something every day. And I guess that's 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 the same for traveling in general. I think not just in the van. I think you, you would have that pressure like, no, we should be doing this place a day and that hike and that walk every day. But yeah, you're right. You should be able to just relax and chill um, exactly. for an afternoon or even a day. Absolutely. And sometimes tip. you get rewarded. I was sitting on the Lofoten in my van, just looking outside at the water. And then a sea otter was hop hobbling along the stones oh. on the shore. It's like, oh, that's cool. I've never seen a sea otter before. Wow, you know there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. You can't beat nature or animals for that matter. Yeah. Absolutely. Eco-friendly soap, I've got my notes here, is not that eco. Because <laughs> that, that's, I guess people are thinking, right, how did you cook? like, And how did you wash and stuff like that? So... Yeah, misconception here is eco-friendly soap is not that eco. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Exactly. Um, a lot of people think, well, it says it's biodegradable, so I can like just uh, empty the basin that I used for doing the dishes into the sea or into wherever. And that's not really necessarily true. Okay. Like Some soaps you can dispose of in nature if you have to. Mm -hmm. Um but that's usually also not within certain limits of waterways or oceans or lakes. Got it. And then others that just say biodegradable, it's like with those biodegradable plastic bags. Like, yeah. yes, in theory, they're biodegradable, but only under the perfect circumstances. Yeah. So um, still not really fit to just pour into nature. So I had a flexible 10 liter wastewater tank with me that I would just use for occasions like doing the dishes and then empty that out every few days at special emptying sites for campers. Okay. 10 liters was that? Okay. Yes. 10 liters. How, how much water did you carry? Was this just that one 10 liter uh, container or did you carry more? Uh, I carried two thingies, containers Yeah. <laughs> um, of fresh water for drinking and stuff. And then I had, um, a little camping shower which you can pressurize oh. so it's brilliant for doing the dishes or well yeah taking a quick uh shower or washing your hair and that also had another eight liters i think is that the one that's soda powered so it can provide a bit warmer yes. water yes you can put it in the heat uh, of the sun and then it warms up because it's dark and it even shows you the temperature oh wow yeah i think i saw this i think on our last trip, someone mentioned it or we saw it. Like, wow, we're going to have to get one of those. So, yeah, that, that's good you said that. We're going to get one of those. I think that's great because you, yeah, you make more flexibility, right? You don't yes. have to try and find a shower somewhere. You can just quickly set a panel up and, and do a shower. Exactly. And pair, pair that with a kiddie pool to collect the, uh, the dirt water if you, like, shower with soap and stuff. And it's, it's brilliant. I used it several times in Norway. Okay, great. That's a good tip as well. And... Uh, a few more questions and we'll move on uh, food and, and eating what was your general rule with um, a typical day on the road would you just have a basic breakfast or um, how would you set your meals or cook them yeah I had my um, typical breakfast of some uh, cereal with oats um, then I would usually for lunch because I'd be still on the go somewhere yeah. have some sort of like bread with something in France. I always had baguette of course. with uh, some pâté or in in the Netherlands, I got the hagelslag, which is the chocolate sprinkles you would eat on peanut butter. Okay, yeah. Um, 
And in the evenings, I would usually cook because then I'm stationary somewhere. I found my place for the day, um, either on a campsite or somewhere where I'm allowed to stay. And then I take out the cooker and do a little cooking for one. And did you normally just cook for that day or would you maybe cook a bit more and save for the next day? Most times I just cook for the day. Okay. Sometimes I cook for two days when I had things that were just too much. So like zucchini aren't really that small usually. So yeah. you need to use up the entire thing and then you easily have food for two days. Got it. Yeah. And it's good to know actually, because this is, you just said a few things that I've not even considered. And it's things like, yeah, the showering situation, the gas situation, trying to plan your food, but also plan your driving. So you don't have to impact those things. And it's, it's actually more than you think, isn't it? It's not just a it is. hop in the van and go, is it? You have to consider not all these all, things. Yes. <laughs> And if you don't, then you're like, you get hangry and then you're cranky <laughs> and then the driving gets harder. It's, it, it's not always as uh, sunsets and rainbows as it's made out to be. Yeah. That's good to know. Uh, I don't think I've got any more questions with the, the tips and tricks. Um, I don't know if you know, but do you, do you know how much you spent on your trip, roughly, in euros? You can do euros if you like. Um, I don't know, actually, no. Okay. I, I haven't tra- done a very well job at tracking that, sadly. That's fair enough. I guess, but, but I guess gas or petrol must have been your biggest Oh, yeah, that, that was the biggest one, except for the first month when I went to campsites a lot, then that was the biggest one, which oh, is weird wow. because in Sweden, um, petrol is really expensive. Well, diesel is because mine runs on diesel. Okay, yeah. So that's extremely expensive there, but still the stupid campsites oh i, I didn't consider that would be a problem with money campsites you're right and were you on your own as well like with your dog or with your partner uh, yes i was with my dog on my own for the most time my partner yeah. joined me for two weeks okay. in denmark right and i guess this is the advantage of being in a couple maybe that you can split those costs exactly um, especially with a... campsites there's yeah. <laughs> never a fee for just one person no it's always a two-person fee and you're like but it's just me can't you give <laughs> yeah. me a discount no we cannot give you this. okay fine how much uh talk about campsites very quickly how much is a rough um, price of a campsite do you think in euros per night um somewhere between 20 and 30 euros whoa really that much yes yes no way yep i was expecting five to ten euros nope sadly not that's almost the same price as a, as a hostel. Exactly. That's the ridiculous thing. Wow. Wow. That is, and then for some, you even have to pay extra for the showers and electricity. Oh. So. Wow. I can't even comprehend how expensive that is. That's mental. So yes. to give uh, you, and this is an idea, when we camped in so Vancouver Island, the most westernly point, if you like, we would rock up to a campsite and they give us a basically a, a, a block of land you park your van and that has um like a little bench and you can have access to water as well i think eight eight dollars for a night for both maybe 15 some some places canadian dollars so that is uh, maybe 10 10 pounds if you're uk maybe yeah. 11 euros if you're in europe and obviously that's split between two and three showers like that we that we experience so you pop over to their like communal area which would be a probably a kitchen sometimes but also bathrooms and shower and a lot of them are free if not the most you're going to pay is a dollar 
Um, and that oh. was like not really that much compared to how much we paid. Yeah. Um, okay. So free Wi-Fi should, as well. What What you're saying is I should consider shipping my van over to Canada because yeah. that's going to pay for itself in the money <laughs> that I'll save for campsites. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I'll tell you why you should do that. Uh, a few reasons why. Uh, gas and petrol, especially in US, super cheap. I mean, here it's maybe uh, in, in pounds, like one pound a litre. I know Europe could be really expensive with petrol. Yeah. In US, it's even cheaper. So you're paying, they do it by gallon, but I'd imagine it's probably 70 US cents a litre, roughly around that. So that's the reason why. <laughs> and the further south you go, the cheaper it gets, because obviously a lot of oil oh, in Texas and stuff. It's like so. a third of the price here. Yeah. Yeah. So when I hear people doing road trips in Europe, I'm like, ooh, the petrol is going to be expensive. But yes. never consider the campsite fees. Never even consider that would be a problem. So that's, that's a good tip there. Um, but here, yeah, I, I see US a bit like Europe. There's going to be options that are quite readily available. There's going to be a town over there, a town over there. There's, there's going to be loads of gas stations, loads of places and things to see and do. So I don't think you'd be too uh, worried there. But Canada might be maybe a bit of a more of a challenge because it's so vast. When you leave Calgary and you go east, you, you're not seeing anything for days. Like there's going to be the odd town, there's going to be the odd city in in Manitoba and Saskatchewan. But before you get to Ontario, where Toronto is and stuff, it's quite. A, it's called the Prairies for a reason. It's because lots of farms and stuff. So you kind of have to bear that in mind if you're in Canada and you're doing a road trip that there's going to be eight hour drives to see not much in terms of uh, life and human life, but there'll be lots of nature. So yeah, I recently read that you have like four inhabitants per square kilometer or something yeah which is ridiculous <laughs> that's so cool what is the i saw a stat the other day so we went to the province called yukon which is the next one up from uh british Columbia, and it it's side by side with alaska so that's how high up it is we flew into the capital of yukon which is called a town called whitehorse it's a city actually and it has twenty-five thousand people that is the most people in one place in Yukon, but the Yukon's the size of, did I say, oh, I can't remember the size of it, like New Mexico or something like that in the US, it's that size, but there's just no one there. And you can drive an Alaskan highway and when, once you get outside of Whitehorse, I don't think you're going to see much in terms of people. Uh, it's quite a, quite a weird experience, especially oh, from Europe, that. when it's like towns after towns, right? Even yes. UK, when it's so small, um, it's that vastness that it's, it's hard to explain. Even our, even our cabin for Christmas was 25 minutes outside of Whitehorse, the main place, right? You have to have a car. There's no way getting to it. There's no bus. Yeah. There's no... A taxi might take you there, I guess. But it'd be quite expensive, I'd imagine. Yeah. But okay, that's a great that's a great chat about your trip. Anything you want to finish on with your camping trip? Nothing really other than the recommendation. Go to Norway. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. This final recommendation is <laughs> go to Norway, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It just looks incredible the scenery there, the fjords and stuff like that. It really is. Okay, go go to another one of your trips. Slightly different. You travelled the Mediterranean by train. Yeah, I did. I lived in Greece for a while and then I decided, well, I have to go. I have like maybe two or three weeks to kill before okay. I booked a surf camp in Spain. Yeah. So I decided I would take the ferry from the north of Greece to Venice. And then from there, do the interrail or EU rail, as it's also called, um, around the Mediterranean, all the way to the north of Spain. Right. And the interrail, because my, my girlfriend's done that. I, I haven't done this. 
I guess Israel just kind of hits the main cities, does it, in Europe? Or can it go to maybe smaller places, do you know? You can essentially go anywhere you want. Oh, okay. You just have to like book a train reservation if the train needs a reservation, which ah. is a part of Interrail that's a pain in the ass. Oh, okay. So you, you, you technically can go anywhere in Europe on this on yes. the system. Got it. And is it um again, I don't know much about interrailing. Is it a one sort of one ticket, one price for a length of time? Is that how it works? Yes, exactly. So there's usually like a month of traveling, but you only have 12 days or seven days. There's different prices for all of this or all the days you want on which you can take trains within that ah. much, that month that your ticket is valid. Got it. So it's not like an unlimited amount of travel in one month. You have to only travel on seven, 12 or 14 days. And that is depending on costs as well. Exactly. Like if you get the most expensive one, then yes, it's unlimited. Okay. But Any idea what the prices are for them? Roughly? Uh, I think I paid like uh, maybe 150 or 200 ish. Okay. Um, for young people's, I think I traveled seven days. Okay. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. Just for people to understand here in terms of price, you're considered, <laughs> this is unbelievable. You're considered a youth. So someone who's young between the ages of 12 and 27, unfortunately, yeah. I'm not part of that anymore. Um, but there you go. So this, this is the most popular, I guess, in terms of young people. And you can get seven days within one month for 251 euros, which they claim is the best sort of like value, I guess. And that's second class. Uh, to give you an idea, what we discussed a minute ago, if you want to go for a whole month, that's going to be 500 euros. Uh, two months is 548 three months, six, seven, seven. So I guess it gets better the longer you go. Let's look at the adults. So I'm obviously older than 28. So that seven days when one month is going to be three, three, five euros to give you an idea. And if you want to go for a month, 670 euros. But if you want to go for three months, it's 900 euros, which I, yeah. I'm kind of like, I'm thinking my brain a minute. Is that good value? I think it is. If you get. It is what you make it. Yeah, you have to take a lot of like different trains, maybe some long distance trains to make it good value. Yes, you're right. And if you want to see a place like in depth, you don't want to get the 30 day pass because you'd be exactly. wasting it. You'd be going like place, yes. place, place. Yes, and I think I've even done so much so that um, on one day I wanted to only go two towns over. I think I was in. Can and I wanted to go to Nice or something somewhere in the south of France. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to waste my ticket on it, so I just bought uh, a ticket for like four euros or something instead. Because <laughs> oh, I was like, it's, it's not wasting, not worth <laughs> wasting all of this money on it. Absolutely. And actually thinking about it, if you get the month pass, that's pointless because unless you're traveling every day, what's the what's the point in that? So you want to get yeah, you want more flexibility, but. You probably want the three-month pass, I guess. So it gives you, you know, like, no, yeah, I can't work out what the best best things to do there in terrain. It's quite a tough one. It'd just be easier if they just didn't have this rule of seven days in a month or 15 days in a month. Yeah. For example, to give you an idea, the bullet train pass in Japan, you pay, it's roughly the same price as the interrain, but it's no, there's no limit on it. You can just buy the, the bullet train pass for for like three weeks, and that is what you choose to do with it, you can either go to 
Tokyo to Kyoto one day and then stay for a week and then go somewhere else, it's fine. Like, oh, that's so cool. It's unlimited. There's no there's flexibility there. There's no like set rules. And and you also do you have to reserve it in advance or do you just show up? Uh, you do maybe somewhere maybe more popular like Tokyo. Mm -hmm. um, but the weird thing is with the rail pass, Japanese can't can't buy this. It's only for foreign travelers. Uh, um, so there's okay. a separate queue for foreign travelers to book um, seats on this. So yeah, you just probably have to plan a day in advance, nip to the train station and book it and you'll be fine. Oh, but that's awesome. Because in Spain, I was like thrown off my plan and had to take coaches because all the trains were booked out uh, like way in advance. Wow. And I guess, yeah, the difference with Japan is they have loads of trains. So I don't think you'd be running out of seats and they're all yeah. on time and they're all like eco as well. And this is a, a, a really good system. And the reason you should get it is because if you booked one bullet train from Tokyo to Kyoto, that's quite expensive. So you might as well get the pass for a week because it gives you an, an extra train ride for the same price as buying one. So you want the flexibility. Oh. So you might as well get the rail pass because it just there's no downside to it really if you're going to plan to travel by train. Anyway, back to your trip. So you started, well, Greece, you live in Greece, so you carried on from there, right? So what was the idea of your trip? What places did you want to go to? I really wanted to see Venice. Um, yeah. As a child, there was just this film, uh, The Thief Lord. Absolutely loved it. And ever since okay. then, I wanted to go to Venice. So that was a must-see. And other than that, I didn't really have any plans. I was like, okay, what looks good on the map? Where yeah. do the trains take me? That is kind of a direct route. And then I got some recommendations along the way to see there's quite a few national parks. Oh, yeah, it's called Sainte Marie de la Mer. Yeah. It's where you can see some like wild horses and wild flamingos. And it's really beautiful. And just a short day trip from Marseille. Yeah, that's good. That's a good tip. I didn't know flamingos existed in Europe. There we go. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> wow. If I knew that, I would have gone there years ago. <laughs> And did you just kind of, I guess, a flexible travel, imagine that like you, you had Venice on your list, some recommendations, but it's just day-to-day, -day, I guess, where, where to next? Yeah, a little bit more like, a little bit more in advance, so like for two days in advance, because I had to book the hostels. Yes. And um, more importantly, more stressfully than the hostels, because there's many hostels, but there's not that many trains. So oh, I had to book okay. the trains. And in Italy, that was really easy peasy, but then France wasn't as easy. And then Spain just was a complete nightmare. Oh, wow. Yeah, you got notes here that if you miss a train, it's not the end of the world. So I guess you had some good times exactly. missing a train. <laughs> yeah, I was in, in Venice and uh, from my hostel, there are two different routes. The Vaporetto would take you to the train station. Yeah. And I was so tired. I just got them too confused. So I arrived there instead of five minutes before my train left, five minutes after my train left. And I tried to run, but you cannot just not run that fast. <laughs> um, but yeah, the people there were so nice. They're like, oh, don't worry. Just go over there. Rebook your ticket. It won't cost you anything. I'm like, really? It doesn't? <laughs> because other places it does. So It does. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and also, did you sort of hug the coast, I guess? That was the idea, right? To go exactly so did you go northern, some... northern italy and then southern france i imagine right yes yes there are some really beautiful places to see from the train 
that's my favorite part about train travel that you get to see so much of nature mm. that you wouldn't from a plane and yes. sometimes not even from a car because you focus on the road unless you're the passenger yeah absolutely train travel is great love it just unfortunately quite expensive in yeah a lot of places also did you see anything in terms of that really surprised you along the southern route what surprised me was that neither Nice nor Cannes kind of excited me oh, okay uh, right. because I was out there after Venice and I find that always to be problematic when you do round trips and you're somewhere that's awesome and yes. afterwards you go places and everything's just bland yeah it's a good point it's got to live up to that that Venice right to really yes. stand out did you go to Monaco when you're down there um no I no. went through there with the train looked at it was like eh, I'm not getting out yeah <laughs> that's fair <enough. laughs> But there were some really weirdly swanky dressed people uh, at the platform. So that was entertainment enough already. Oh, yeah. The, I guess the, the rich people who live in Monaco don't pay any tax, I'd imagine. And did you carry on through to, I guess, Spain? Uh, no, I went no. up north via ah. um, Donostia, San Sebastian, and then Bilbao. Oh, so you went to the Basque region? Yes. How was that? It's so pretty. It looks um, great there, doesn't it? Well, yeah, it's... from from what I've seen. <laughs> yeah, it it really is great. I I loved it. Bilbao, especially as a city, it's it's quite beautiful. Yeah, can you speak any Basque? No, sadly not. No, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I wish, but then again, I can't even speak Spanish. Oh, okay, right. As I was gonna say, yeah. could you get away with speaking Spanish? I guess you can in the Basque region, right? If you're a tourist, probably. That's actually one of the questions. Was English used a lot on your trips, do you think? Um, or did you manage to speak some sort of local language like well enough to get by? Uh, I speak French well enough to get by, so that was good. Yeah. But then in Italy and Spain, I had to solely rely on my English. Yeah, I guess that's the advantage of being English spoken, isn't it? Unfortunately. Yes. We are the worst at learning languages. There's no, <laughs> there's no doubt about that. What was the so if to sum up that trip, what was the highlights of that trip? Do you think apart from Venice that you've mentioned, was there any more um places that surprised you? Uh, near Marseille, there's also a national park uh, called the Calonque. And it's really beautiful. They have similar well, not really similar to Norway's um fjords, but uh, it's a bit like that. There's a lot of uh, steep canyons and high hills oh, wow. and yeah. that's also really beautiful. Um, and I went uh, stand-up paddling there. And would you have gone for longer on that trip if you could have done? Or was that perfect time to do that sort of trip, do you think? Um, I want to say it was the perfect time, but probably only because I haven't checked what I missed to see on the map. Mm. So I didn't really stop to see Toulouse. I only changed buses there, yeah. uh, things like that. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely. basically my travel philosophy. I think a lot of people also... I guess I need to understand that some people don't have like the the months to go. There is a there is a yes. time limit. So I, I do try to have tips and tricks for both sets of travel, really, where one is just a holiday or or a summer break from uni or whatever it is to people who have actually quit their job and plan to go for like a, a year. Different types of uh, travel, aren't they? I think. Yes, exactly. But you've done both types, right? Where you've had a short time, but also a long time. Is there yes. one particular that you prefer? Or are they both just as good in your eyes? They're both really good, but maybe I prefer even the shorter one. Oh, wow. Just okay. because you 
well, not if it's really short, but if it's like 10 days, for example, on the Azores, I was for 10 days and you just put way more planning into it so that yes. when the trip's there, it's a lot more enjoying following the plan rather than the on the spot, last minute planning that you do when you have almost infinite amount of time. Mm. Because you're like, ah, I can plan that later. But then <laughs> later arrives and you're like, ah, I didn't plan that. Silly past me. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fair point. It's a, it's trying to get that medium between the two, right? You want to be flexible, yes. but also have stuff planned. I think that's the, almost the, the golden spot to try and get to off travel. Yeah. These, as you mentioned, the Azores, I don't know much about the Azores. I know it's part of Portugal and you yes. traveled it by car. It's a group of islands west of Portugal. You flew into, I guess, the international airport. And I guess you just rented the car, right? Exactly. And is there bridges between the islands or did you have to? No. No, okay. you just rent a car on each different island. Um, wow. I mean, there is ferries, but only in the high season, I think, if I remember correctly. Got it. So you were one island, got a car, explored, exactly. took the car back, and new, new islands, new car. Yes. Quite different to the two types of travel we discussed before. So how was that traveling? And was that quite easy to do? It was easy enough to do. Uh, luckily, because... It's the only way to get around there, basically, yeah. Because there's like three buses or something only to the main, to the capital city, so to say, of the Azores. Yeah. And yeah, because when you're young, it's really tough getting a car rental, at least in Europe. I yes. think in the US, it's way easier. Then again, right. you get your driver's licenses easy, uh, earlier, so mm. makes sense. But yeah, it was easy enough to get a rental car and. Luckily, only because we were cheap, we opted for the smallest car, yeah. which I recommend everyone do in the, on the Azores. Oh. It's, it's a lot of old towns. Uh, and yeah. okay. if you remember like driving in England or Germany in old towns, there are sometimes streets that haven't been adjusted to bigger car sizes. So it can get quite stressful trying to take a turn when there's houses on two sides of you and a wall in front of you that's a, a great tip <laughs> that <laughs> you wouldn't even really consider i guess but yeah people would think oh big car is easy it's got more exactly you can yeah, throw more power luggage and stuff. in there and yeah, yeah 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 no no it's a small <laughs> car is definitely it. needed <laughs> yes <laughs> which islands did you visit soon in the azores um if you remember um, yeah i visited the ilia do sao miguel that's the biggest one the main island and also Teasera, which I want to say the second biggest, but that's probably, that's neither here or there. I'm just guessing. <laughs> that's fair enough. And what made you go there? Like, what was the thinking to go to Azores? Because I guess it's part of Portugal, isn't it? So I would think you go to Portugal, but what made you go there, like to those islands? Um, actually, I hadn't even realized that they existed uh, oh, okay. until this uh, Canadian... Um, photographer and youtuber chris howe um posted videos of his trip there and i was like holy hell that's beautiful <laughs> i have uh, to go there well i'm checking I don't out even even i don't even need a passport and it's not that far cool so i guess you flew from lisbon right yes exactly yeah so you fly into the main island and start site trip there so did you base your trip based on his trip or did you have a few, a few things on your list to see um I didn't really base my trip on his, but there were a few things in the video that I saw and was like, oh, yes, 
that I have to find out what that is and where that is. Okay. Which was, for example, the old botanical garden called yeah. Terra Nostra in Furnas, because there's like volcanic jacuzzis and all those beautiful palm trees. You feel like you're in a jungle. <laughs> And you can bathe in the volcanic jacuzzis and in another big thermal pool that looks weirdly like muddy orange. Oh, okay. It, it looks weird, but once you're inside it, you're like, oh, this is warm. This is nice. Wow. Um, I do know, I'd assume the weather was amazing there in terms of being quite warm. Yes, it was perfect, actually, because it wasn't all that sunny. I was there in March and we had one really sunny day where we went to the beach. Yeah. And it's a lot of like dark gray, blackish sand yeah. on some of the beaches and you burn your feet in oh. March. Oh, it's wow. that warm. Yeah. People think it's always white idyllic beaches, but when you go to places like Hawaii or I guess Portugal here, there's always yeah. Iceland is, is another example. You can have black beaches because it's yeah. the, the volcanic stuff and they just don't look as nice because they're not portrayed ever in the Google photos that people look at. Right. <laughs> Yeah, but then you can't even try to, like, you try to catch it on camera to show, like, look how dark and weird the beach is. But yeah. It doesn't quite come across as good. Did you manage to go to, I've just done a little bit of research before, uh, is it Mount Pico? I think it's the highest mountain in Portugal. Did you see that? Um, I saw it because you can see it from some of the islands, but I didn't yeah. go because it was uh, on a different island, which is... Yeah name Pico. And any tips and tricks for people who are wishing to visit there? Would you still recommend doing it by car? Would that yes. be your big trip? Yeah. Especially the Ilha do São Miguel, the biggest one. Well, when I say big, I mean completely driving around the entire island, it's four hours. Oh, wow. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. even if you don't like driving at all, it's super chill because right. it's not far. And except for in the cities or villages, it's not really cities. Um, the driving's chill. It's really a nice tarmac street. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful views. And the one thing you should do when you're driving there, you'll see signs that say Miraduro, which means a viewpoint. Yeah. Just do yourself a favor. Stop at every single one of them if you have the time, <laughs> because it'll always be somewhere beautiful. I think that's a rule for anywhere you're driving. Yeah. I, I'm a sucker. Like if I see a sign post saying two kilometers to a viewpoint, I'm like, right, I'm, I'm stopping there. Yes. And because they've obviously made an effort to tell you. So why not check it out? And by looking at these always, I can imagine, yeah, a lot of those are pretty decent. Yes. That's great. That's a, I don't think I've had anyone who's talked about these always on the podcast so far. So that'd be a good. Yeah. They're very underrated. Place. Underrated. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the last thing uh, in terms of your trips, Ireland, of course, yeah. being from UK, Loads of people go to Ireland, but only one place, then you go to Dublin, unfortunately. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> and you usually go for St. Patrick's Day, right? Yeah, uh, so, yeah, or, or Stabdu, that's normally a popular oh, one. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, unfortunately. And <laughs> I go, guess to go and drink Guinness is a, is a good one to do. But what is your plan in, uh, in Ireland? Because you visit by coach, so you've done the coach travel here. Yes. Um, any, any ideas in your mind when you went a place that you want to see? Um, I actually planned this one with a friend, so a lot oh, okay. of things... Yeah were like her research and then my research. So we went like all around. We went to a lot of different places. We, of course, went to Cork, but we also went to some really small. We went to Killarney and Dingle. Dingle, and yeah, yeah. I know some friends from Dingle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so some really uh, Doolin as well. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, some really small ones that I before I never even heard of. I think you're right. I think people just hear Dublin, maybe Cork, maybe uh, Galway, but Galway, maybe yeah. that Ed Sheeran song, <laughs> which yeah, was very popular when we were there. So that was annoying. There was like Ed Sheeran merch everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think Ireland is obviously known for Dublin. We get it. But also the countryside, whether you go yes. south or west, just looks incredible. Absolutely beautiful, especially again traveling by coach or also train. Great to take you through different places. Is train doable in Ireland? Is it is it quite popular or is it limited? Do you think it's it's very limited? Okay. My friend took the train back from Galway to Dublin. Yes, I think that would be a main route. Um, but other than that, we were mostly taking coaches because it was so much easier and also really cheap. Especially okay. if you're a student, it was. Like some tickets for like 10 euros or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. And did you get to see like fantastic scenery with that? I imagine it'd be like green rolling hills and especially the West Coast. It's got that rugged coastline. Yeah. Yeah. And we also went to the the Inishmore. What is that chain of islands called again? Uh, the Aran Islands. Oh, Aran Islands. Okay. Yeah. And we also went to the cliffs of Moher and everything. Yeah. So it's uh, it's really pretty. Yeah, it's underrated, Absolutely actually. loved it. Yes. Yeah, massively underrated. I'd love to go. And you love the uh, live pub, um, live music and pubs and stuff, right? Yes, that was so fun. Like, ever since leaving life in London, I missed the, like, the little quirky pubs. Yes. And, yeah, so that really filled my heart in Ireland. And then everyone, like, singing together and stuff. That was yeah. just so cool. That's what you think in your mind. Irish pub. Yes. Probably like a bit of a country pub, but can be in the city as well. But yeah, like all singing along to late at night with a few Guinnesses or a few drinks. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what you expect to imagine in your mind. Would you rate Ireland as probably a, a place definitely to visit in your, on your travels in Europe? Like, yes. Would you recommend it highly? Yes, I really would. Especially if you're like outdoorsy and outdoor loving or just love good views, so to say. Mm. Because like, I'm more of a nature person, I don't. I'm not really too keen on city trips. Yeah. So for those people, I would definitely recommend it. For city trip people, I'm not sure if there's enough cities to consider. Yeah. That are pretty enough that are worth the trip. Because mm -hmm. Cork was nice. It wasn't bad, but it wouldn't have been worth the trip if it weren't a stopover, so to say. Oh, uh, in terms of the city. In terms of the city. Yeah. Because um, I'd imagine the southern Cork area be quite cool oh yeah, yeah. The, the area is lovely but the city itself yeah. is it's just okay yeah okay did you notice the different accents in ireland from southern to western to dublin did you could you hear the different accents yeah yeah with with some who were quite hard to understand them right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a when when, when i meet an irish person I'm, I'm like right i'm gonna try and guess where in ireland you're from because i've got different accents right and a few of my friends here that i work with are from cork so the southern most point of Ireland and they've got quite strong accents and I can definitely see why if you're not English or you don't know English that well that'd be quite difficult to understand like, like in Scotland maybe it might be quite difficult to understand some Scottish people because they're quite strong in their accent <laughs> yeah, yeah I live with a Scottish girl and she toned it down for me but then her best friend visited oh yeah and he was just talking at me in the kitchen <laughs> and I was just standing there like I'm just standing there like letting him talk to me and she comes and like she's like for fuck's sake Gregory she's no clue what she's talking about <laughs> 
yeah the scottish accent it's, it's hard for us to understand them sometimes it's it's difficult yeah yeah it's um it's a great accent though i love it yes okay let's move on to your podcast actually that's a great um set of trips that we discussed there and i've got some questions about your podcast and then gonna ask you some quick fire travel questions so you host a podcast or co-host a podcast called away she goes which yes. is a her adventures podcast please can you tell us what the podcast is about and what the premise is for that podcast yes so um we're part of the her adventures community which in general aims to educate and inspire uh, <laughs> inspire <laughs> And also to radically redefine travel to be more inclusive and accessible, especially for women mm-hmm. um, and um, other people that um, identify at least partially as female. That's why we changed our names before that. We were girls who travel, but we wanted to ah. be more inclusive. So we wanted to include everyone that just uses the female pronouns. That's why we're now Her Adventures. Got it. So in a way she goes, uh, my co-host Carly, who's from New York, and I, we try to cover different travel stories, different angles on travel, and share some stories and um, recommendations and maybe educate some people along the way. Okay. And do you get these stories from people that you know, or are they your own stories, or do people write in to tell you some stories? Like how do you share these stories? How do you find them? Um, we do quite a lot of interviews. So every other okay. episode, we do interviews and the other ones are just recommendations and tips. And then for the interviews, we have some cool people that share their stories. We had someone on to talk about her travels with disabilities because she has lupus and she's very sensitive of the sun, but also of the cold. And wow. yeah. that's just generally very educative. But then also we had an episode that was just about travel disasters that just naturally always secure on travel like missing the ferry in costa rica and stuff like that okay i get asked a lot um when i do podcasts episodes about when i put a i don't know instagram like question like oh what what subject do you want to hear about maybe in the future and a lot comes up about solo female travel or female travel and i can't obviously answer that because i'm not a female so i have to do extra research, which is great, and also get people on who can discuss that. So you must have loads of different varieties of travel, like people maybe who traveled on their own with different types. Maybe someone's got disability or they're just going on their own at 18, maybe. I don't know. So do you, do you have like lots of different scenarios on your episodes that cover female travel, basically? Exactly. That's that's what we have. We have mostly, uh, most of our guests so far also were women. So we had a lot of different ones. Some people were talking about their experiences of traveling, um, uh, with food so uh, one was a food blogger and she traveled to different places to experience different uh, flavors and cuisines mm-hmm. we have some people from the travel industry okay. so some yeah. female pilots stewardesses um, that really made travel their heart and soul mm-hmm. i don't think we've done an episode about solo travel yet oh, okay like female solo travel yeah, we, we sometimes mention it because it just naturally comes up in conversation. Yeah. But we haven't dedicated an episode to it yet. Okay, that'd be quite a good one because I think uh, yeah. we met quite a few people. Like, for example, me and my friend or a couple of friends traveled India. And obviously, we're three males. And we traveled India for three months. And we met quite a few people who joined us like on part of the trip who were uh, traveling on their own as a female. Now, I think 
that angle of traveling as a female alone in India be quite a good one to do because I think a lot of people would love to know what the logistics are is like in terms of safety and stuff for females in India um, as an example of a yeah. subject um, because a lot of people would want to know and probably travel India but maybe a, or as an example I'm not just singling India out here but as an example India might be a bit hardcore for a traveler to go and do yeah there's definitely some places where it's easier as a solo female traveler and somewhere it's harder so to say yes in terms of safety but also maybe not even in terms of safety but just in terms of feeling safe because okay. those can be two different things oh wow okay yeah 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 and do you think um you've had like a a, a lot of response to, to your podcast in terms of like maybe some uh, women reaching out to you going hey look, I, I love the episode about that type of travel it's, it's kind of inspired me do you get many of those messages come through uh we got some responses for the one i mentioned before the woman that travels with disabilities mm -hmm. uh, with lupus and she has some other ones that I, I can't even remember all of her mm -hmm. ones but that was very educational people people were like wow i had no idea that's so cool to know and i love having the platform to just have people tell their own stories because it's just so much more interesting than just reading about what some journalist research so to say you're totally right that's why i get guests on my podcast i want to hear their story like <laughs> yourself i want to hear what you've done with, with your, your trip with your dog like so that alone is like oh so someone took a dog traveling oh so it's possible so like yeah, <laughs> yeah just kind of discussing those stories right instead of me just like yeah doing research um you're totally right so have you got any like i don't, I don't really like this term really like favorite guests but have you got anything that like favorite lessons that you've learned from your podcast so far that everyone has their own challenges and we get to uncover them we get to share them and i love that i also love that sometimes on instagram and people share the reality and not just the pretty pictures yeah so yeah. that that's uh that's a favorite lesson that i learned because sometimes you just get hung up on that you, you see someone at the beach you're like oh i wish i was there but you don't know that they've had a shit morning yeah. and had to fight with someone over the last bagel at the hotel i don't know <laughs> And it's key to, to share those struggles, I think. What platform do you use to, to do your podcast on that of interest? Um, we use Podbean to release them. So oh, they're okay. then Podbean, on yeah. all kinds of platforms, really, which is kind of cool. And I had no idea about this before we started the podcast. Got it. So you you are available. This podcast is available on all the, I guess, the Podbean All the platforms. standard ones, yes. Yeah. And how often do you release an episode? Um, every other week. Okay. And do you have social medias that we can um, i'll put them in the notes obviously of this episode as well but do you have social media accounts that we can follow to keep track on a website yeah. yeah it's uh girls to travel on instagram and i want to say twitter if anyone still use that um on facebook where her adventures um there's a facebook group with several subgroups we have a book club we have one like accommodation like where you can host uh, people mm -hmm. and we also have a website and a blog which is heradventures.com and if you put in slash podcast you also um, can listen to the podcast there if that's your kind of jam great i'll put those links to those sites and pages on my notes so people can access them um when this Perfect. comes thank you out to help you out that's great i've got some quick fire travel questions to come your way Go ahead. these are normally like your favorite things so be ready. <laughs> Let me get them up for you. 
It's travel question time. Normally, I, I sort of add a few random ones every week just to keep people guessing, you know, I don't want to keep them the same. But here's a question I've started asking recently. I'm, I'm interested. I know we talked and joked about this earlier, but how many countries have you traveled to so far? Maybe 15, maybe okay. 20. Yeah. What has been your favorite beach that you've traveled to? My favorite beach is Bure Stranden in Norway. Love that. Through Stavanger. Yeah, that's great. This is a tough one. This one, this is normally a tough one. Your favorite city that you've been to. I know you're not a city person, but or, or it could be a town even, like favorite town or city that you like. Oslo. I really loved Oslo. You live in England? Yes. Obviously, I'm from England, so I have to ask, where did you live? And was that studying as well? Uh, I was working as an au pair and studying English. Oh. Okay, um, yeah. Do you want to guess the city? It's the most popular one. London. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, let, let's break it down. Which part of London did you live in? Because I've lived in London before. So, um, in the southwest part Ooh, in nice. Norwood. Oh, nice. Okay. I used to live in just by Turnham Green back in the day, hmm. um, which is near Chiswick. So that's my study. That's my studying days. Lived in there for mm, four nice. years. And did you travel much outside of London in the UK? I did that one rail trip, but other than that, not very much. I wish I would have done more. Okay. But I was very tight on money as yes. an au pair. It's not the best paying job in the world, mm. I got to say. So I spent a lot of time in London, but then I knew London like the back of my hand. Did you like London? I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Is I don't think I'd want to live there if I had to leave the house to go to work and do the daily commute. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Didn't love that so much when I tried that. But as an au pair where you have to like walk upstairs and you're in your office, so to say. Yeah. Um, then it's brilliant. London. It, yeah. I've talked about it quite a lot on my podcast. It's it's a, almost love hate. Some people love it. Some people hate it. And it's relentless. It's busy. It's expensive. Yes. It's I don't think it's sustainable uh, going long term unless you've got quite a bit of money. I don't know how people would even afford to buy a house in London it's so expensive yeah. um, but there's it's a great place to live for certain reasons like there's that free newspaper or magazine that has free uh, events going on for the weekend and come yes. out so you can go and not spend money but enjoy yourself whatever that would be so they have that sort of stuff going on and an unbelievable amount of cafes and coffee and things to see and parks and stuff so I do like it I must say I've, I've been quite a saying I, I don't it. like it, but I wouldn't live there again, but <laughs> I would. Right, back to travel questions. Um, you're obviously a bit of a nature person, so what's been your favourite walk or trek that you've done? I've done a hike up to Bruebreen Glacier in Norway near the town of Odda, and that was, it was insane. It shouldn't have been recommended to me to do with the dog, but it was, so I did it. Yeah. We survived. <laughs> Without any scratches, but it was stressful and beautiful nonetheless. And how, I think that might have been, even made it better. Yeah. How, how long was the trek up? Was it quite a difficult one? Um, it took me one and a half hours up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Quite steep or? Yeah, quite steep. And some yeah. places were just rock and then some rope that you oh, can classic. pull yourself up, which it's nice, but really hard with a dog. Yeah. Like, how does that work with a dog? Um. 
if you can find little steps, you can put your dog up there okay. and uh, then move him from step to step if you're lucky enough. Or you have to try to carry your dog and um, hold yourself on the rope with one hand. <laughs> so it's wow. really challenging. It's, it's, did you, it's quite weird. Did you know when your dog was like, no, I'm not going to do this or he's scared? Like, Did you know that you'd have to intervene and like pick him up? Uh, no, I just could see that he was like, how am I supposed to do this? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, we can, let me, let me help you, buddy. Oh, I love dogs. I don't think I've actually asked enough questions about your dog in travels, but I might end with that. <laughs> I might end with it. Um, I'll break, I'll break my rule because I want to know. Okay. Next question. Again, it's a tough one. If you had to pick a country, what's your favorite? Norway. Norway. Yeah. Because that. it's, it's very diverse. Okay. Favorite party place? I have not really won for many parties, but maybe London. London? Yeah, it's got some stuff going on for sure. Uh, your favorite landmark that you've seen? Man-made landmark, I'd say Big Ben. Okay. Just because it kind of I, reminds me of I the time of... being home there. Yeah. And natural landmark, probably the cliffs of the Normandy in France. Okay. What is your favorite cuisine or food? Italian. <laughs> That is probably one of the most popular answers <laughs> I hear. Because <Yes. laughs> it's just good. It's no two ways about it. <laughs> it is. You've lived in quite a few countries so far. So apart from the ones that you've lived in, if you had to choose another country to live in, what would it be? Visa requirements aside? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No rules. Uh, okay, then probably Canada or New Zealand. Yeah, I think, yeah. They, I think they would suit you from what I've learned on the last two hours. 100%. Yeah. You'd love it. Great nature places, yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Can't wait to go. If you had to do, do one of those, I'd, I'd probably say New Zealand, <laughs> even though I live in Canada, but uh, they're both equally as good. It's just because it's smaller and it's more condensed. Like, um, Depends what you want. Both great, though. Okay, got a couple more questions. What do you think is, on your travels so far, been the best country in terms of value for money? Where has your euro lasted the longest or... The best value. France was definitely quite cheap. Oh, what? Oh, wow. Was it? Okay. Yeah, France was quite good, especially because it was off season. Yeah. Um, the camping places that were open were quite cheap. Okay. Yeah. So France, I'd say. That's okay. Last question would be: um, I have a lot of people who listen who maybe want to go traveling, um, either in a van like yourself for six months, or maybe that'd be three months in Asia, whatever it would be. But they're they're kind of like a bit scared or not sure if they should do it. What words or sentences can you give them to inspire them and tell them that they should go and why they should go? I want to start with preparation is key because I'm also always one who's like, ah, isn't that place a bit scary? So for me, what eases this kind of feeling of angst is just to plan to look what have other people experienced when they were there. And especially if people have had bad experiences, is that maybe on them or is that something that a lot of people have experienced there so don't be turned off by just one bad experience that someone had it happens and once you're prepared i don't want to say anything can come your way and you're prepared but most things and for me always that's a good feeling to know that whatever is coming i miss a train or anything i have backup I'm I'm safe. I'm happy. I have um, some extra food. I'll live. 
I'll survive. Brilliant. That's awesome. Thank you. I normally clip those because they're, they're quite inspirational. So I really appreciate those words. And to finish on, I usually finish on that, but I don't think I've asked enough questions about traveling with dog. Um, it's kind of coming to my mind because um, I love dogs and we would love one. But do you know why we don't have one? It's because uh, we're going traveling. Like We can't travel with a dog. <laughs> um, so what is it like traveling with a dog? Is it is it an extra challenge in terms of you've got to look after the dog, right? You've got to make sure. I'll tell you a classic example. I don't know if you've seen Netflix. There's a film by German Guy, actually. He he was the one who's doing the road trip from, I think, here with all the way down. With the, with the school bus. Yes, that guy. And he had a... Yes. He had Expedition a, Happiness. That's the one. That's the one. And he had a Bernese dog. And I don't yes. think he realised, or they realised, that in the depths of, like, Arizona, when you're going through US, and it's so hot, that the Bernese are not... They're not going to the survive dog. well in that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then obviously the dog forced them to finish in the end because they, you know, I think it's called Rudy. I think Rudy the dog was a bit bit ill. <laughs> but yeah, what's it like traveling with a dog? It's great. I, yeah. I didn't really have many problems, of course, when you're going into more cities and you want to spend days in museums, exploring like that, go shopping, then it can be a bit challenging. But you can always get a dog sitter and there's apps these days so that you can find a dog sitter in any city that you're in. Oh, wow. That's a great idea. Yeah, I didn't yeah, think of friend... that. I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my friend taught me and she traveled with her dog on a sailboat. So if, if she can do it, I can do it with a van. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> but they, the dogs must love it because they get to go out every day. Like without fail. Yes. They're going to be experiencing exactly. something new and... Yeah. And it's also great like for yourself, because on some days I didn't particularly feel like I wanted to explore the neighborhood or something. Yeah. I felt like I just wanted to stay in my van, you're having kind of a bad day and yeah. it's rainy, but your dog needs to go outside. So you go outside and you get to explore so many more, so much more than you would when you were just by yourself. Mm. And I guess your dog breed might affect the type of travel, maybe, do you think? I don't know. I might be wrong, but uh, for example, obviously we said the Bernese dog yeah. in Arizona is not going to it's not going to do well. <laughs> no, um, no, I think in extreme weathers you might have to be aware of the challenges of your dog. But other than that, oh yeah, one thing that's really important is to check, um, so to say, the passport requirements. Yes. So when you're crossing countries and all your rabies shots need to be in order mm. and like worm treatments and stuff like that. Like some people sometimes forget that because they're so used to with your ID card uh, of the EU, you get into every country and you sometimes forget that, well, it isn't the same for your dog because mm. there's different requirements. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, the, the dog passport, basically the same yeah. as if you're flying your dog to another country, you probably have to do exactly. some admin requirement with that. And also, what was the space like with your camper van and uh, your dog? Was there no enough space? Like, is that a consideration, maybe? That definitely is a consideration, especially if you have a larger breed dog. Mm. Like mine is very medium, maybe even smaller medium, considering yeah. like there's Great Danes <laughs> that just wow. take up the same space as a human. Yeah. So <laughs> you definitely wouldn't want a dog that big in a VW T5 van. Um but yeah, the smaller your dog, the more dogs you can take, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that ex Exhibition Happiness film. Yeah, he's got yeah. a big school bus, like those American school buses. So it's big enough for Bernese, who are quite big. 
So that's, that kind of works. So it's just a shame that the weather or extreme weather got to the dog, unfortunately. Um, he survived, don't worry, but um, they had to yeah, quit, quit their trip. I, I think I saw it. Yeah. Um, they, they, they actually inspired us that we want a Bernie's. So I think we will oh. get a Bernie's once. I think, I don't know. We'll, we'll see when that will be. <laughs> Did you meet many dogs travelling with um, fellow campers? Quite a few. Yeah. Actually, also quite a few uh, women who travel with dogs. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Which yeah. Uh, I get because there is more of a sense of safety because yes. you have a dog that looks out for you. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great, that's a great uh, angle with travel. I've never interviewed someone who traveled with dogs. So I can't wait to share that because I'd imagine that it might even stop people from traveling. Camping is just perfect for that. Whether yes. you're going with a car and a tent or a van or even something bigger. Mm. I'll tell it's you one really thing easy. that is worth considering, and this is probably more Canadian than maybe anywhere that you traveled on your travels is the wildlife. So, um, when you travel in Canada with a dog, I, I'd imagine you have to do your research and due diligence on bears and stuff like that and wolves and who else is out there? Like, Because that is going to be a, a, a bit of a problem in summer because they're going to be about. So I'm not sure how that works. Yeah, you wouldn't want to have your dog off leash just because oh, you might not. run after some wildlife. Um, yeah, I think that's the biggest concern regarding that because I've also uh, known a girl who travels with her dog who then was in Sweden and had a bear encounter. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What, luckily, what type of bear was that? Um, I remember. Brown bears. Brown bear. Yeah. Okay. So it was a great chat. Um, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you sharing your stories and your trips and your podcast as well that you co-host. And yeah. Thanks wait. for having me. This has been I, fun. Yeah. I can't wait to release it. Yeah. Uh, I love releasing new podcasts with new information. And we've got loads on here that I've not, had anything near in terms of um, travel so I can't wait to release it but anytime you can come on anytime and any trips that you do in the future uh, I'll be keeping an eye out for you sounds good <laughs> okay thanks for coming on I really appreciate it and I'll catch you soon cool cheers <laughs> thank you thank you for listening to my Winging It Travel podcast episode today you can find me on Instagram at James Hammond Travel or Winging It Travel podcast you can search for both I release weekly clips of this podcast episode, as well as photos from the last eight to ten years of my travels. You can also find this podcast episode on YouTube. Please search for Winging It Travel Podcast and you can follow and subscribe today. It will either be the video of the podcast or there will be some still pictures to accompany the audio. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel Podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website, jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels, and there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content. And I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there, reviewing it and enjoying the content so far. Stay safe, stay humble, keep listening, keep traveling and I'll catch you soon. Cheers, James.